So we are talking about having a revelation over a resolution. And the reason why is because resolutions don't last very long, do they? I mean, I don't know if, if you're here, you tried New Year's resolutions. I, I, I feel like in the last couple of weeks I've asked and no one raises their hand. No one, people are like, I, I, I did that like 20 years ago. It didn't work. And they don't work. They, they, they often, I don't want to say they always don't work, but oftentimes they don't. We sort of give up on them. Uh, somewhere around February or March, uh, we, we give up on those New Year's resolutions. And, and so they're just temporary. They're temporary things. And they're good things. They're not bad things. They're things that make us feel better, healthier, you know, have better habits, get, get rid of, you know, some things, maybe, you know, over, overcome an, an addiction or, or, or something along those lines. And they're, they're not bad things, but, and you should, you should do them. But what we're going for is we're going for a revelation, revelation. Anytime we say Revelation, it sort of makes us nervous. We're like, what, like a revelation, especially when we talk about the book of Revelation that is like way over our heads and we're like, what is God saying? What is this all about? And revelation is simple. It's just a revealing of truth, a revealing of truth. And that's, that is last. That, that, that is something that we all need. That, that, that's something that, um, that will go with us, that, you know, we'll, we'll, fall, we'll fade, we'll die, we'll leave, but the word of the Lord will, will remain. The word of the Lord stands forever. A revelation not only helps us, but it helps the people around us. It makes us better. It makes us together. It makes us, makes us stronger. And so that's what we're going for. We're going for that. We want a revealing of truth, uh, not necessarily something that doesn't last very long. So we've been looking at, um, over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at um, uh, the churches, some of the churches. That, so, so Jesus, um, uh, through John, um, while he was exiled on the island of Patmos, uh, was, was sending letters or writing letters to uh, certain churches and, and just sharing some things about these churches, which for us, it should be encouraging to us that, that God not only cares about the, the, the global church, you know, the big C church, uh, but God also cares about local churches. God cares about our little local church here in, you know, Wald Lake, Michigan, and, and what we're about, what we do. And the reason why God cares about churches and local churches is because they're people. They're made up of people. That, and so God cares about people. God cares about you. So, so these, these letters are not just only for, you know, for, for churches, global church, local church, but they're for us personally. They're, they're, they're meant for us to, to, to be encouraged. And so when we can get these concepts down, when we can get these concepts down, I'm telling you, it, that will make an impact. It will make an impact. Last week, if you weren't uh, here with us, we looked at um, one church for the Church of Ephesus. We have a lot, a lot of information about the Church of Ephesus, how the Church of Ephesus began. It was just an incredible story. You can go and read about it in Acts 19, Acts 20. You can read about the Church of Ephesus. And, and then you see about a 40-year period, a 40-year period lapse, and you see sort of what happened to them. They, that they were a church that loved God, loved people, loved their community, loved, you know, the lost. And then they lost that. It's, it, it's, we see that about a 40-year transition where they, where they lost that love. They lost their, what, the, what the scripture calls their first, their first love. And so um, that's, that's really where we, where we want to make sure that we don't lose, you know, our, our first love, um, 
that we don't get to a place where we, you know, we are all about the methods of, of religion. You know, we can sometimes get caught up in the methods of things and instead get, and we forget about what the mission of Christianity is, that we're on mission. And so we can go through the, the spiritual motions, you know, of things, you know, go to church, you know, read our Bible, you know, pray and, and you know, all those things that we can kind of go through the motions, but we can forget about the relationship, that it's about the relationship that we have with Jesus. And so just like Pastor Jason was saying, it's just going back to the basics. Let's not, let's not forget about why we became a Jesus follower, why we, we signed up for this thing called Christianity. It was about the fact that there was a God who loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him. Well, have you ever heard this verse before? I don't know. Okay, okay, all right, I know I'm a pastor, I know certain verses, I just, they just roll off for me, you know, I don't, oh, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm just seeing if you're awake out there. So, you know, we, we get caught up in the method of things, but we forget about the mission, we, forget, we get caught up in religion, and we forget about the relationship, the relationship that we have with Jesus. So, that was the church of Ephesus, you can go back and listen, you can go back and read it in Acts 19, um, but, it, but we're going to look at another church today. And it's the church in Smyrna, the neighbor, neighboring city of Ephesus. It was, it's the church in Smyrna, and it goes like this. And the angel of the church in Smyrna, again, just a reminder who the angel is. It's not an angel with white and glowing with wings. It's me. Um, no. It's the pastor, okay? Or the pastor's wife, okay? Um, that would be more what I would prefer to, to you to call the, refer to the pastor's wife as the, the angel. And the angel of the church in Smyrna write, and then it says, the first and the last who was dead and has come to life again says this. And then here's what he says. I know your tribulation. I know your tribulation. Now, you and I don't have to live life long enough to know that we live in a world of troubles and tribulations and difficulties. Am I right? I mean, this is just the world. We, we live in a broken world and we are broken people. Can we just admit that right now while we're in church? Say, I'm a broken person. If you're a broken person, would you mind just raising your hand? Doesn't this feel good, everybody? Some of you that didn't raise your hand, you're, that just proves how that you just aren't have it all together at all the time. So listen, all of us, all, we live with, a, we are broken people. We live in a broken world. We do broken things. This is the world that we live in. We live in a world that brings pain and hurt and sorrow and grief and disappointment. We, we go through emotional health issues. We go through physical health issues. We just live in that kind of world. It's a fallen fallen world and we experience it and we deal with it and it hurts and it, and it, it brings us grief and sorrow and pain and, 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 and that's, just the, that's just the reality of it. Not only that, not only do we live in a broken world and we're broken people, but being a Christian is hard. Has anybody discovered that being a Christian is hard? Like Jesus he didn't it, mince words. He's like, Anybody that comes after me, 
They have to deny themselves. They have to carry their crosses and follow me. He says, if you want to be a Jesus follower, you need to deny yourself. Being a Christian is, is more about what you do for others. It, it, you know, even remember it says in Philippians 2, have this mindset in you that was also in Christ Jesus, right? That he that we consider others before we even consider ourselves. Like, I don't know about you, but that's hard. To do, that's difficult to do. Jesus said that we're to love our enemies. Anybody doing a great job at loving your enemies? Okay, all right, broken people, remember? Remember? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those that hurt you. This is the world that we live in. The church of Smyrna was simply that. They were, according to the scriptures, they were, Smyrna means that they were a persecuted church. They were a persecuted church. As a matter of fact, Paul told Timothy on a number of different occasions and, and, and wrote you know, letters to churches. Here's what he says to Timothy in his second letter. Indeed, all who want to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you want to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. Now, that's all sorts of different levels of persecution, okay? Here's, here's the facts. We are Americans. We live in this great country. And the fact of the matter is, is that you and I don't experience the kind of persecution that the rest of the world experiences as Jesus followers. Can we admit to that? Okay, just because you have to wait in a long line at Chick-fil-A doesn't mean it's because you're a persecuted Christian. Okay, just because your waitress gets mad at you when you leave a, a gospel track of a fake $100 bill doesn't mean that you're persecuted. Nobody, please nobody do that. Like leave a real tip, okay? Don't leave a fake $100 bill. Did you guys know these exist, by the way? I hope you don't, I hope you don't. These are real things, okay? Don't do that. Like, listen, just because somebody didn't say Merry Christmas or our culture's not going with Merry Christmas anymore, like doesn't mean mean that we're necessarily persecuted. Like, let's stop with that. Let's stop with that. Just because someone's mean to you on social media doesn't mean it's because you're a Christian. It just could mean that you're mean too. I don't know. This is the way, this is the world, this is our world in, in our country. This is where we live. But, but, we are also asked not to conform to this world, right? And so we shouldn't. We should live, according to this, in a godly way that we're not conformed to this world. In other words, we see this life differently. We have a different framework. We have a different perspective when it comes to love and to life and to purpose, and to generosity, and how we treat each other, and how we treat people. We have a different framework that is, and should be, should be different from this world. And as, as a result of that, you might get a little ridicule. In other countries, that might get you death. In this country, it might get you a little, a little persecution. It might get you a little tribulation. 
because we are not conformed to this world. Our way of life, it doesn't make us any better. We're not any better. We're not, you know, anybody that we, we should think, well, well, high and mighty and I'm more important than you, this and that. No, 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 that's not the mindset. The mindset is, is that we signed up for a different standard of the word of God. And there's a godly way about that that is different. And in this world, we go through difficulties. Jesus told us we would. He's what he says in John 16, 33. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you can have peace. In this world you have tribulations, but take courage, I have overcome this world. Take courage, I've overcome this world. You can, you, in me, you're gonna go through troubles and difficulties and hardships. You're gonna, you're gonna have to deny yourself. You're gonna have to take up your cross and you're gonna be mistreated because you're gonna be misunderstood because you're not conformed to this world. He says, in this world, you're gonna have tribulations, but you can know that in me, as you go through difficulties, you can have peace and know this. That you don't have to, and we don't have to stay in this world very long because we can take courage in the fact that Jesus has overcome this world. We get to, as Jesus followers, leave this broken world, be healed by a perfect Jesus, and go to a better place. Anybody excited about that? We'll get there. We'll get you there. We'll get you there. Go back. Go back to, to Revelation 2.9, please, if you could. He says, I know your tribulations and your poverty, but look what he says. But you are rich. And the slander by those who say they are Jews are, they're not Jews, but they're, they're synagogue of, of Satan. Here's another thing that you and I need to know. And this is sort of, we live in a physical world, Okay but we're very spiritual, we are spiritual beings. And the reality of what you see, this is as much of a reality, if not more. And that's the spiritual world, the spiritual world. So here's what you need to know and hear, or, or be reminded of. Here's what, he's, here's what Paul says to the church in, in Ephesus. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You're like, pastor, angel, whatever you want to call me, it doesn't matter. <laughs> my struggle is with flesh and blood. Like my coworker, the person I go to church with, my kids, my spouse, like they are flesh and blood. That, that my struggle, my struggle is with, with and, and Paul is saying, not really. Not really. Your struggle is not with flesh and blood. It's against, look what he says, it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness, wickedness in, in heavenly places. Like the, rea the reality is, is that we are in a spiritual warfare. Especially, especially if you want to live a godly life especially if you're trying to live in a godly way. There's an enemy who's real and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a liar and he's a deceiver. And here's the truth. 
And he uses people like you and me to pit each other against one another so that the mission can no longer be accomplished. That's the truth. That's pulling the curtain away on what's actually happening in our lives. That's why Jesus looked at Peter, physical Peter, and said, get behind me, Satan. I don't recommend anyone say that to anyone. (laughs) Only Jesus is allowed to say that to somebody. The apostle Paul could have blamed a lot of people for his struggle, what he called a thorn in the flesh, but you know who he blamed it on? Satan. He says, I've got this thorn in my flesh. And he says, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed that God would remove this tribulation, this hardship from me. And God just said, my grace is sufficient for you. And he says, most gladly, therefore, I will boast in my infirmities. I will be glad in my weaknesses so that when, the, when I'm weak, that's when I am the most strong because that's when the power of Jesus rests on me. We live in a spiritual battle. And your struggle is not actually against flesh and blood. It actually is against powers of darkness. That's what it's against. And Jesus even said it this way. He says in Luke Luke, uh, 6, 22, blessed are you when people hate you. And when they exclude you and they insult you and they scorn your name as as evil on the account of the Son of Man. And then look what he says next. Look what he says this. Rejoice. What? Wait, first of all, did you just say I'm blessed when I get excluded? I'm blessed when I get insulted? And then now you're saying that I'm supposed to rejoice on that day and jump for joy for behold, your reward is great in heaven for their fathers used to treat prophets the same way. Like this is like going, what in the world, Jesus? Like, yeah, he's going, yeah. You know why? You know why that's the case? It's because when you go through tough times, and you remain firm in your faith, you know what you're doing? You're building up spiritual currency. That's what you're doing. Now, we live in a world that most of us recognize we have material currency, right? We have material currency. We now live in a world where there's digital currency. Now, I don't understand enough about that to even try to begin to explain it to you, but we are beginning to have a a digital currency. Now, listen, do you know that just like we have material currency or digital currency, there is opportunity for us to accumulate spiritual currency, to, 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 to store, Jesus said, listen, don't store up your treasures here on earth. Like that stuff fades, that stuff dies, that stuff decays. He's like, don't store that. He says, store your treasures up in heaven. 
And the, and the way that we go through that is this, or the way that we do that, one way that we do that is this. We stay firm in our faith even when we're going through tough times, even when we're going through difficulties, even when we're going through challenges, even when we're going through hurts and pains and loss and, and disappointments and people hurt you and be, betray you because they're broken people. And we live in a broken world. And when you deny yourself and you take up your cross and you're not conformed to this world, you know what you're doing? You're storing up in heaven spiritual currency, spiritual currency. And in comparison, it's like this. When we compare physical currency with spiritual currency, it's like this. How many of you have ever been to like a Chuck E. Cheese or a Dave and Buster's, or a Zap Zone. Anybody ever go there, right? Okay, good. You give them your actual currency, and in replace, or in return, they give you their Chuck E. Cheese currency. And you take their Chuck E. Cheese currency, and you play some games, and you have some fun, and then over the time, you, however well you do in your games, you take whatever it is that you, however well you did playing their games, you take your tickets, or you take your card of credits to the prize counter. Anybody done this, done this before? You take it up to your, the prize counter, and then they have prices, their prices, of Chuck E. Cheese tokens or whatever it is, Chuck E. Cheese bucks, and you take that and you buy an item. And, you, and your kids are like, and you're looking at the item and your kids are like, okay, I have like 7,346 Chuck E. Cheese coins. What can that give me? And then before they know it, they can only get five suckers and three Tootsie Rolls. or some sort of dollar store item. And then as a parent, you start to realize, boy, did I get duped. Like I just spent hundreds of dollars on five suckers and two Tootsie Rolls and a little bit of fun for an hour. That's the kind of world that we live in. At the end of the day, you might walk away at the end of the day with a few suckers and a few Tootsie Rolls and maybe a slinky. But you just invested hundreds of dollars in something that you could have gone to the dollar store and bought a hundred items with. You, you understand? This is the physical world that we live in. And Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to a better currency. I'm calling you to a currency where you're storing up treasures in heaven that when you get there, your reward is going to be great to the point where you're going to rejoice. And on that day, you are going to jump for joy. Similar to the price is right when people win a car. Have you seen price is right when people win a car? Yes! Right? And you're, you're not even embarrassed for them because they just want a car or they want a trip. 
And Jesus is going, you know what? I've got something way better than that. I've got something way better than any house or any trip or any car that you can buy. I've got something where you are going to have a reward in heaven because you went through it on this earth and you stood firm in your faith. You stood firm in your faith. Point number one, Jesus is faithful and he transcends the temporal. So when you're going through that tribulation, you're going through that trial, you're going through that difficulty, you're going through that struggle, here's what you need to know. Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful and he transcends any temporal tribulation or trial or difficulty or hardship. He transcends those things. How do we know that Jesus is faithful? Well, because of what he said. Look what he says in verse 8. Let's go back. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the first and the last, who was dead and has come to life. He is faithful. Jesus doesn't have to show himself to be faithful any more than he already has. He is the self-existent one. He is from the beginning to the end. He is from everlasting to everlasting. And he left everlasting and he left eternity to come to this earth, put on flesh and blood, live a perfect sinless life, to die on a Roman cross unfairly, but the grave couldn't hold him down. He overcame the grave and he rose again and paved a way for all of us to step into eternity and receive a reward. He is faithful, and he did that for you and for me. He did that for us. And anything, anything that you go through temporarily, he's big enough and strong enough to help you and to give you the strength and the grace that we need to get through those temporary difficulties, those temporary hardships, those temporary struggles. Listen, be of good cheer. Take courage. He has overcome this world. In this world, tribulation. In him, peace. In him is peace. He transcends, and he knows, and he knows, and he knows. And just like it says in verse 9, go, if you can go to verse 9. I know your tribulations and your poverty, but you are rich. You're rich. So when you endure and persevere and stay in the fight and keep honoring God, you're going to be building up that spiritual currency and even though the world will look at you like in poverty, but God will say, you're rich. Even though the world will say, well, you don't have much to you, God will say, you're rich, you're rich, you're rich. 
God told Moses. And the Hebrew writer wrote it down. And the Hebrew writer wrote it down, and he says this in Hebrews 3.1. He says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus, who he is faithful. Then he goes on to say this in verse two. He was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was in all his house. So here's, here's the point. Here's the point. Jesus is faithful. But are you faithful? Are you faithful? Your trials or your difficulties or your hardships did you know that those are tests? Those are tests. So the question is, not is Jesus faithful? Of course he is. Of course he is. The question is, are you faithful? Are you faithful? Are you standing firm in your convictions? Are you living out the mission and the purposes and the plan of God that God has for you? Are you honoring God in your life and in your morals and in your integrity and in your character? Are you honoring God? Are you faithful? Because oftentimes, oftentimes our, our trials in this life, those are tests to see where we're at. Look what he says in, verse, in the next verse, Revelation 2.10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. For behold, and he gives very specific things that's gonna to happen to the people in this church. Behold, the devil's about to throw some of you into prison so that you will be, there's the word, tested. He's about to throw some of you in prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulations for 10 days. Very, very specific thing that was gonna to happen to this church. And you know what Jesus described him as? Or described it as? He described it as a test. A test of their faithfulness. So look what he says next. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful. And that's really what this is about today. Life is hard. People are broken. We all go through stuff. Jesus following is very difficult. And we are not to be conformed to this world. But when things get tough and when things get difficult, are you still trusting God? Are you still trusting? And can God trust you? Can God trust you? That's what this is about. It's not about can we trust him? Of course we can. But can God trust you? James says it this way. Here's what James describes it. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials. What? James, are you, are you lost it? Like consider it joy when we, when we go through various trials? Yeah, he says, why, why, why? Verse three, knowing that, there it is, the testing of your faith produces endurance. He says, come on. You know why you're going through various trials? It's a test. It's a test for can God trust you? Can he trust you? And God has entrusted us with so many things. 
One day Jesus was telling a, a, a made-up story. Jesus was, was telling a story of a parable. And Jesus was saying the story, and this is Matthew 25, you can find the story. He says, for it's just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves, and look what it says, and entrusted his possessions to them. And then you know the story, it says, right? It says, to the one he gave five talents, to the other two, and to the other one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. So the, the reality is, is that Jesus has entrusted you based on our ability. He has entrusted you with things. And so you, all of us, have abilities. For example, our abilities might be our mind, our body, our soul. Our abilities might be our relationships, our careers, our finances, our morality, our, our possessions, our, our ministry. These are our abilities. The reality is, is that all of us, Jesus followers, he's entrusted you with just a list of a few things here that I, that I want, you know, can describe. Like, he's given you your mind. He's given you a body. He's given you relationships. He's given you your career, your education, a, a ministry, finances, morality. He's entrusted us. And, and the question is, can he trust you? Can he trust you? Can he trust you to honor God when it comes to your thought life and your body, your relationships, your career, your finances, your morality, your possessions, a ministry? Can he trust you? And God has entrusted you with these things. That this is God saying, listen, come on. I gave this to you. I gave this to you. And the one that, that God can trust with it you know what he says when it's all said and done? At the end of the day, you know what he says? When the, those that, that, that did well with it, those who maybe they received five talents or two talents or one talent, those who, who invested it, those who you know, did, did well with it, that God entrusted them with, you know what he says? Look what it says in Matthew 25, 21. His master said to him, look what it says, well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of of your master. God's going, come on. At the end of the day, what is he going to say to you and to me? I hope he says, based on your ability, I entrusted you. I entrusted you with finance, your finances, your stuff, the people in your life, your mind, your body, your strength, I entrusted you. Is he gonna say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. And when you and I are faithful with a few things, in eternity, he can trust you with many things when you enter into the joy of your master? Or, or, or will he say this to you? But as master, those, the, the, the one that didn't do well with what he was entrusted with, but his master answered and said to him, you worthless, lazy slave. Don't let Jesus say that to you. Don't be the one when you stand before Jesus one day when he says, I entrusted you 
I gave you mind, body, soul, strength. I gave you relationships. I gave you money. I gave you a house. I gave you cars. I gave you a life in America. I gave you all the things. But you didn't do anything for the kingdom with it. You were worthless, according to Jesus' words. You were lazy about it. I've entrusted you with that. The question is, not can you trust God? Of course you can. The question is, can God trust me? Can God trust you? And when you go through hard times, and I go through hard, hard days, you can know that there's a Jesus who is faithful, and he transcends all of the temporal hard times that we go through. He transcends those. And he's going to give you and I what we need in those moments. But as you go through those challenges, look at me. As you go through those challenges, those are tests of your faith. Are you going to stand firm? Are you going to stand true to your convictions and the word of God? Or are we going to turn our back and we're going to run? And we're going to stop trusting and stop putting our faith and start conforming to this world. That's what it boils down to for all of us. One of the most famous people out of Smyrna was a guy by the name of Polycarp. Polycarp. Polycarp was um, a student of, of John, the Apostle John. And Polycarp um, the, was really irritating. Uh, at that time, was really irritating the Roman, Roman Empire, Roman government. And they wanted to put Polycarp to death. And so Polycarp was willing to just die. He was willing to just give up his life, surrender his life. But his family and friends encouraged him to run and to go and, and hide and maybe this will blow over. And so he did. He did out of respect to his family and friends. He did. Well, eventually, it didn't blow over, and they found him. They found him. And they brought Polycarp, and they were getting ready to nail his hands to a stake and to set him on fire. And they said, you, they said to him, you don't have to endure this. You don't have to go through this as long as you curse Jesus. If you deny Jesus and curse Jesus, you don't have to go through this. And here's what Polycarp is recorded by saying. Six and 80 years have I served him and he has done me nothing except good. How, can, how then can I curse my Lord and Savior? And so they put his hands on this beam and they were getting ready to drive nails through the, his hands. And, there, and then he says this next. Leave me as I am. He who has strengthened me to encounter the flames will give me the power also to stand firm at the stake. And so with hands holding on to the, the stake, they, let, they put polycarp and they set him on fire. They set him on fire. 
And people that were there that day, onlookers that day, they described it in this way. That it wasn't like flesh burning. They said it was something more than that. It was something more than that. They said it was more like a gold or silver being refined in fire. That's the way that it was described. Now here's the, here's the deal. The, the reality is, is that none of us in this room are probably ever gonna have to experience what Polycarp went through. None of us. But Polycarp had every reason in the world to curse Jesus so that he can extend his life, but he refused to do it. And for us, it, it, it might be a little bit of an insult. And for us, it might be somebody saying things like, oh, you don't, you don't you know, see the world the way that I see the world, or you don't see love the way I see love, or I don't, you don't see life the way I see life. And you might get a little bit of insult, a little bit of ridicule, and we, we sort of cower down to that. Instead, we should be people that are going, listen, I'm just going to be faithful with what God has entrusted me with. I'm just going to be faithful to what God has given me in this life. And I'm going to stand firm in my faith. And I want to, I want to when, I, when, I'm, when it's all said and done, I want my Jesus to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. You were faithful with a few things. I'm gonna entrust you with many more things in eternity. And Paul describes it this way as we close. 1 Corinthians 4.1. This is the way any person is to regard us as servants of Christ, as stewards of the mysteries of God. Look, then look what he says in verse two. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. That one be found faithful. Today, oh, you can trust Jesus. But the real question is, with what he's entrusted you with and the ability that you have, can he trust you? Can he trust you to stand firm in your faith and in your convictions to honor God no matter what this life throws at us? Because your trials, they're tests. They're tests. Are you going to pass? Or are you going to fail? Father, you are faithful. You came and you died. And you beat death and you rose from the grave. You exhibited ultimate faithfulness. You demonstrated your ultimate love and grace and compassion to us already. You've already initiated and shown how faithful you really are. But the question is today, God, are we faithful? Are we faithful? Can you trust us? Can you trust us with a ministry? 
Can you trust us with our bodies, our minds, our souls? Can you trust us with our relationships, our, our possessions, our morals? Can you trust us? That's the real question. And we go through difficulties and trials and <clears throat> hardships. What we're doing is that we're storing up treasures in heaven. We're accumulating wealth, spiritual wealth that lasts, that, that actually matters at the end of the day. And though we may be viewed as being in poverty or poor here, the way you see us when we continue to be faithful and you continue to trust us with more and more and more, God, that we're rich. We're spiritually, spiritually rich. Thank you for giving us and helping us to be stewards of what we have. I just pray, Lord, that we are found trustworthy, that we are found faithful with what you've given us, what you've placed in our hands. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Good to see all of you.